0: Hi there, and welcome to Live from the Cybert Institute. In this podcast, we listen in on conversations taking place among ministers, church leaders, and scholars as we engage the issues facing Christians and church leaders today. We hope that this episode is thought-provoking and a blessing to you, because as with everything we do in the Cybert Institute, our mission is to equip church leaders and help churches thrive. After you listen, make sure to follow our podcast so that you get all the latest episodes from your podcast platform of choice. Let's get started. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Live from the Cybert Institute, the podcast from ACU's Cybert Institute for Church Ministry. My name is David Kneipp, and I am the Associate Director here at the Cybert Institute. Uh, And today we are gonna be talking about a first year in ministry. We know that a lot of folks in our audience uh, are either long timers in ministry or new folks in ministry, or maybe recently changed, or you have people like that uh, in your life. And so we hope that this is gonna be uh, really relevant for a lot of folks in our audience. Um, But as we get started, I need to say, this is not someone's first year in ministry overall, uh, but the first year of a new preaching ministry. I am excited to visit today with Josh Kincaid, the senior minister At the preston road church of christ in dallas texas welcome josh hey thanks david glad to be on well i am glad to be on with you and you and i got to talk uh, a while back we discovered recently that you were in abilene because you were supporting your brother who's a choir director here and it turns out it's at the school that my older daughter goes to so uh the as as in so many cases in the church the connections are uh deep and complex in a good way exactly So, Well, thanks for uh, visiting with me today. Um, Josh, I I introduced you as the senior minister at Preston Road, uh, but you have actually not been at Preston Road very long, and that's kind of the point of this conversation. You just recently had your first anniversary in the Preston Road pulpit, and uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about this first year in this ministry uh, so we can share some wisdom and some insights with our audience um, but before we do that, would you mind giving us a little sense of your background in ministry, like where you've been and what roles, what kind of schooling or training you received along the way?
1: I grew up in Wichita Falls, Texas, and then went to Oklahoma Christian University for my undergrad. And toward the end of undergrad work, I did a few years in kind of an outreach and involvement role at a church in a western suburb, Yukon, of Oklahoma City. Okay. And then um, during that time, started my MDiv at Oklahoma Christian, ended up Uh, finishing that there. worked for my father-in-law, actually, um, on the side while I finished my MDiv. Mm -hmm. And I really did think at that point my path was going to be academia. So I applied for and was going to start a PhD at Bright Divinity School at at TCU, Uh, but instead um, got a call uh, from Memorial Road Church of Christ in Oklahoma City about an open educational ministry position there. And after a lot of prayer and consultation with my wife, opted for that track instead. And so I spent over 14 years uh, doing adult education, mainly, among some other things, at the Memorial Road Church in uh, Oklahoma City. And during that time, because of my focus, chose to do a doctor of educational ministry at Columbia
0: Theological Seminary in Atlanta. Gotcha. So that I assume that was was it kind of a hybrid. You were in Oklahoma City. Some would go there occasionally. Is it is that how that would often work? Yep, I would fly to Atlanta for a couple of weeks, two or three times a year. Okay, so you were you were embedded there in Oklahoma City, correct? Okay, and I, I didn't realize I knew that you had been there for a long time. But I didn't realize also your Oklahoma Christian background. So you were in the OKC area for a long time. So what was it that made you decide to make the re- move to Preston Road? Um, or I mean, maybe how did some conversations with your family figure into the shift? I assume that was a big part of it, given th- just probably the depth of those roots that y'all had put down there. Absolutely. I mean, my wife
1: uh, grew up in the Oklahoma City area. Her parents uh, lived there and still live there. So that was a factor. Yeah, I never really, um, I mean, maybe at the beginning of, of my ministry career, I assumed like most ministers that, you know, the path is to the pulpit and- mm. That may not be the trajectory for everyone. In fact, I kind of wish we wouldn't think of it that way. But um, after a while, I kind of discerned that, at least for the time being, uh, a preaching path was not where I needed to head. And so I wasn't looking for preaching jobs. Um, I had, I mean, I've not been in the mix for any. Mm-hmm. But I would say in my final few years at Memorial Road, I kind of discerned that I might be in my last season there. I kind of remember a particular Sunday, even back in 2021, when I thought, you know, I think it's probably time to start thinking about a transition. And Mm -hmm. so I started praying and saying, you know, what's next? And I told some close friends, I said, you know, I don't know what my next job will be, but it probably won't be at a church Hmm. because in ministry, you know, the way you can advance your career is you go to the pulpit. And I didn't think that was going to be my path. So I thought, well, career advancement may look like something else. Um, So I was just kind of searching and praying and and seeking help and guidance. During that time, Preston Road comes calling, and they are in the middle of a preacher search. And I knew this church, and I knew some of the staff here, and I respected this church. And so I don't know that the preaching conversation would have gone really far with a whole lot of other churches. Not because I'm like super choosy or in demand, but... It just seemed like a good fit, culture fit at this church. And so I was willing to pursue those conversations. And I mean, I knew this church was used to seasoned preachers. So that was, <laughs> I, I, I mean, they 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 kept rattling off the names of their of the people who had been here before, and they were incredible preachers. And I thought, why am I even in this mix? Um, well, you, you, been might, very, be, you been,
0: might be an incredible
1: preacher. We just don't have a lot of data to evaluate <laughs> that. Sure, sure. Well, <laughs> at least at I would that say time in at the in the past, the, the people they hired were incredible preachers at the moment they were hired. Mm, gotcha. Um, they weren't getting <laughs> on the job training here. Um so I when I talked to them, I said, you know, one of the things is I want some good help. If if you want me to come here, I'm honored you would ask. Please mm-hmm. help me get help. And and we'll talk about that in a little bit if you want about what the coaching was like, but they were enthusiastically supportive of that. As far as my family goes, I mean, I had three kids in middle school. Mm-hmm. Not a really great time to be contemplating a move. Um, and they, were, they weren't they were opposed to it. They were the most reluctant, and I don't blame them. I would have been sure. too. But they were on board, and they have flourished here. And I've been very mm-hmm. grateful uh, for that. My wife was probably at a yes for this move before I was. Okay. So it was great to have the family support to make this move after Yeah, fourteen years at Memorial Road and twenty-two years total in the Oklahoma City area for me, man.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I imagine to some degree, you talked about your your wife's family's there in Oklahoma City. You know, if there's a a desire or a need to be able to get up there, at least I thirty-five is pretty handy um, to be able to get up that direction. But it's still, I mean, a pretty significant shift.
1: It's three and a half hours away, and it is a big. It is a big shift, Uh, but it it kind of came down to a if not this, then what, you know, I right. mean, this, this is a great opportunity. I, I didn't have, we had no compelling
0: reason uh, to say no to it. We were very grateful to be asked. Well, and you already kind of mentioned some of this, but I wanted to maybe dig a little deeper. You were talking about just the, kind of the different paths in ministry. Um, you know, we know that some folks go straight into a pulpit as a young minister, often working in little churches. I've got one of those uh, in one of my classes right now, he's preaching at a little country church outside of Abilene and and they love him. Um, for me and for you, I mean, that wasn't where things started. And I think sometimes it's people feel like you kind of got to put in your time, you know, maybe as a youth minister, you know, what do you think about kind of how that works and how that intersects with your story? I know some young ministers who, like you said, went straight
1: into preaching and that works out really well sometimes, mm-hmm. especially depending on the the kind of church and what other authority and, and scope of responsibilities they have. I know other people who were lead ministers at a young age, and they've told me in their own words. In fact, one of them said it was toxic for my soul to have that kind of leadership that young. So I don't have an opinion about whether or not a person should go straight into preaching. Um, But I also don't like the idea that other ministry positions are sort of lesser than or just stepping stones to a pulpit. Um, Every time I read the list of spiritual gifts, uh, that that like Paul will will give, um, preaching is one of several mm-hmm. gifts. So I spent 14 years in, a, in kind of a teaching ministry. Yep. And I don't think that was lesser than ministry. Every now and then I sort of felt that toward mm-hmm. me. Um, but I think that was important. And I think if people feel called and gifted in other areas, they shouldn't assume that they're just biding their time until they can get the promotion um, to the pulpit. I mean, there was a time when I thought... I might spend my whole ministry career doing adult ed at Memorial Road. Um, So my path was less about some fierce determination to find some place, any place to preach. And it was more that a good church that seemed like a good fit uh, came asking me at the right time in my career. And I do feel like the experiences I had in ministry in general during those 14 years at Memorial Road were crucial and important in
0: preparing me to do some of the things that I do now here at Preston Road. Oh, I think absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. You know, we're we're more aware now. We talk more about, you know, using language like social location, being sensitive to that with ourselves and with other people. And I think that makes so much sense in terms of ministry that, you know, there are times where... Who I, who I am, where I am, the church I'm in, the slot I'm in, you know, in that church staff, if it's a multi-person staff, matters so much. And just w- shifting one of those things can really throw a monkey wrench in. So it sounds like, you know, you were thinking about where you were serving, what you were doing. And so it wasn't just a matter of, you know, we might say, quote unquote, upgrading uh, one of those things in a way. Right. Yeah. Well, you've given us a really good sense of the context, uh, I think. So let, let's kind of shift into thinking about what this year has been like um, at Preston Road. I'd love to hear about things you learned, recommendations that you would give to others, but maybe just start out with kind of telling us the story of the first year. What were some of the things that happened? Or, or maybe if you need a, di- a different way to think about it, I'm guessing it's been a whirlwind. So when you think back on that first year, just what are things that jump out at you? I kept
1: uh, I on purpose, I kept my breakfast and lunch calendar probably more packed than I will in the long run. But I mm-hmm. was really just trying to get to know our members and some other ministers in the area. Yep. And no joke, like I gained 10 pounds <laughs> in my first year. And I joked with the church, like I really do think a lot of that's chips and salsa. I mean, we're we're in Dallas. You don't you don't eat a meal without that uh, most times. And so I, I did do a lot of meals out trying to get to know people and get to know this church, uh, know who I was preaching to and their mm-hmm. their passions. So I did spend a lot of time uh, with people, and a lot of that was listening. Yep. Um, I, you know, I'm right here next to SMU. I'm not far from ACU. Um, I'm still pretty close to Oklahoma Christian. So I tried to attend a lot of different resources um, I did some things at SMU. I came to ACU Summit. I just got back from um, the, the Pepperdine Compelling Preaching Initiative that Mike oh, Cope thanks. and others are running. That's great. And so I I just tried to dive into that world because in some ways I kind of felt like I was playing catch up compared to some of my peers who were maybe my age but had been preaching quite a while longer. And I was getting back into a conversation I really hadn't been in since maybe some of my seminary days as far as what what preaching was doing these days and. I I try to do that. Um, I you know one moment that sticks out at me is I think my my second sermon. I was remembering this second sermon. So this is December twenty twenty two. I was sick most of the night and even an hour before the sermon. Oh man! And so um, like I was physically ill and yet got through the sermon and it made me think. You know that's one of the worst case scenarios for preachers. And I made it through it, so we can we can get through most things. Um, and one of my coaches told me, he said, "Yeah, man, sometimes you just have to preach sick." And so, <laughs> got that done, and uh, that that memory will stick with me because that was an overcoming moment pretty early on that I was grateful to get out of the
0: way. Yeah, no, that makes sense. One of the things you know we were we were talking about earlier was just that uh, that week to week, right? Being ready to preach a sermon every week. Your background in education ministry, my ministry background includes youth ministry, and then of course teaching here at ACU. So we we know well teaching week to week, which is similar, but definitely not the same. I've I've never been a full-time preacher myself, but have filled in. And I've thought a lot about how different it is to be either a one-time fill-in for the guy at my local church or dropping in as a visitor somewhere. And it's good, just different, but boy, it's not the same as that. Week in, week out, being ready in season, out of season, you know, all those, all those phrases that we know.
1: That's right. The joke I told people is, well, I guess one of the things I discovered is that there literally is a Sunday every week.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And they keep on coming, don't they? They do. They don't stop. Yeah. Well... My uh, background in ministry and just conversations with different ministers that I get to have through cyber um, makes me guess that there were probably a number of challenges that you encountered in that first year, but I hope that there were also some victories. Would you mind sharing a couple of stories with us, either challenges, victories, or maybe some expected things along with the unexpected surprises?
1: You know, I mentioned earlier that my elders were really supportive when we talked about coaching. And so I had had a lot of good help, good coaches uh, that helped me with particular sermons or with you know, how I carry myself on stage. And so I got, I don't know if I got better, but I got more comfortable more okay. quickly than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I mean, I'm still in year one, so I have so much more to do and ways I want to get better. I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I feel better about it a year in than I thought I would feel about it a year cool. in. Um, I've gotten really good feedback from our members, I still, you know, I'm still struggling probably with imposter syndrome every now and then, like, who am I and w- what am I doing here? But they, my members don't feed that. They're so encouraging. So I still have a, a long way to go to be the kind of preacher that I want to be. But I would say I feel a much, I feel much better after a year than I did like after a month. Um, I think people here have been hungry for connection. The, the, the Preston Road COVID timeline is that, you know, the Omicron wave hit and and so everybody ducked down one more time and everybody was sick, um, not bad sick most of the time, but just sick. Mm-hmm. And then after that happened, my sense is that most churches kind of looked around and felt sort of an all clear and really got some momentum. Well, what Preston Road encountered is that's right when they lost their previous preaching yep. minister. Yep. And so they have been a little bit probably behind in some ways the, the comeback wave. And so I'm grateful to to just be along for that ride with them as as momentum is rebuilt, connections rebuilt. We've tried to model a lot of good connection and hospitality. I mean, just this past Sunday, we had most of the church show up for an old-fashioned potluck, um, and so. I've just been grateful and just surprised at how much
0: people want to be together. Yeah, I imagine that, you, that if you get that enthusiasm from them around their rediscovering each other, well, then you can just slide right in and ride that enthusiasm wave as a new minister.
1: Absolutely, and what I am, what I might lack right now in preaching finesse, I'm trying to bring with just hospitality and engagement, um, and and just some pastoral and people skills. <laughs> I have had to adjust to the megaphone that comes with the the position of senior minister okay. um, in, in any location. People are going to make a lot of assumptions about the scope of the authority or the ability of the senior minister. So I've had conversations and they've been nothing problematic, but just what people will tell me or ask me. And I have to be reminded, yeah, they're asking you because you're the senior minister. And I spent 14 years where I wasn't having those kinds of conversations. Right. And I remember Mike Armour, who's one of our members and a leadership expert, talked about one of his first days as a college president where he just was walking around the campus and uh, just remarked, oh, it looks like the weeds won out on that flower bed. And three hours later, the landscaping crew was out working on it. And <laughs> he was just trying to make conversation. But people heard that as, you know, the authority figure doesn't like something. We should fix it. So I'm trying to be very careful about n- not doing that unintentionally just because there's a different megaphone that comes with the senior minister position. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think the other shift really has less to do with preaching and more to do with context. Okay. I-, I went from being on staff at a megachurch, so Memorial Road was 2,000 members, right. to what I would call a normal-sized church. Preston Road has between 350 and 400 on a Sunday. Okay. So I was coming from this what I now realized was this adrenaline fueled environment. And it just felt like there's always one more program and mm-hmm. one more event and one more initiative and one more t-shirt. And it was never ending. It sometimes felt like it was never enough. You never knew when you were succeeding or not. Cause it was always just, you know, that's great. What's next. And I mean, I was complicit in that too. I'm not blaming anybody for that. That's just how it works. Yeah. But I don't think I had realized how much I had adjusted to and even internalized all those expectations and and Mm -hmm. all that pace. So after a little while in my new position, my coworkers had to find some polite ways to say, like, we need to adjust a little bit. You need to adjust your pace and expectations. And they were a hundred percent right. We're not Mm -hmm. a huge church that needs all that kind of activity. Um, So I'm just trying to find kind of the, the ground
0: between my two worlds. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, one of the last things I was wanting to, or as we're kind of coming toward an end here, I had an ministry teacher once that said, when you're when you're in your first year in a ministry, you often don't want to change too much too quickly, but you want to spend time listening to people's stories. And I'm so glad to hear you say that you did that. And I'm excited about the chips and salsa. I hope that continues in your life. Um, but I'm guessing that uh, you might not feel like, I mean, given, I mean, Dallas, just fast paced, there's all stuff going on. You know, you may not have really felt like you had a ton of luxury to just sit and listen. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, are there things that you maybe wanted to do, but couldn't do, or that you just have decided we're not going to do that right now? Or does it feel more like, nope, hit the ground running here. We roll. You know, I would say in some
1: ways I am in a very fast paced environment, but people here are very accustomed to breakfast and lunch meetings. Mm. So that has given me an opportunity to do a lot of listening, in, in addition to having people into our home and and just trying to be present when the church is gathered for other events and, and hear people's stories. I remember one of my first lunch meetings was with Eddie Sharp, mm. and he told me, you know, just preach Jesus down the line in your sermons. Uh, I don't know if I've done that. I don't think I've tried to be overly impressive with my content. Uh, My sermons have been pretty straightforward. And I think probably as I earn more trust, we'll probably dive into some deeper waters when it's appropriate. But my first year was really just about establishing trust and credibility. This church didn't know me. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't a preacher before this. Um, We were coming off very contentious years in society. So it's like, where's our preacher going to land on these things? but this church has been here like literally on the same location for 85 years. So I don't know who I would be to come in on year one and assume that I have some brand new idea that requires some sweeping change. So I have really just tried to build credibility, trust, and rapport with people this first year.
0: Yeah, now that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you were saying the church didn't know you, you know, and, and in some cases, another model is You can have a a current church doesn't know you, but you maybe somebody grew up at a church. And so it's kind of the preacher boy come back home phenomenon where really most of the members don't know them, but there's still sort of the expectation that this guy's a known phenomenon. And that's not something that you had. So I think that's very wise, just that language of trust and credibility. Well, Josh, I really appreciate just the ways that you've reflected on this first year uh, in ministry. And I'm glad that you've been able to participate in some conferences and equipping kinds of things. So I want to sort of flip it around and ask if you were speaking at one of those deals, like if you had the chance uh, to talk to folks about heading out into a new preaching ministry, what are some things that you would want to tell them? Like, What wisdom would you want to share uh, from your own experiences? mm Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to break in on you on that real quick. Uh, just for one thing, I I'm so glad you led with getting good help. But that's going to be a little bit of a paradigm shift for some of our some of our churches, right? I mean, we we have kind of tended to think of uh, when we hire people as preachers, we hire them because they know what they're doing, and we're hiring them to do a task, and we want them to come and do that. Uh, but what you're describing makes complete sense in. Kind of business environments, right? we We hire new people, and we we do the things we need to do to train them for the good of the organization and for their own benefit. So if we can kind of apply that logic to churches and ministry, it just makes a ton of sense. It's just not the way we naturally think a lot of times, I think
1: yeah it might not be but i really wish it were because i can't tell you how much that has helped me not just in what my presentation but in my confidence to know mm-hmm. like okay i'm tracking some some development here and i i'm doing things differently because people have talked to me about that i think every one of us looks at speakers and we think man there's this one thing i wonder if they uh-huh. know they're saying or doing it that way we're all like that i mean yep. so it is okay to have some help to help us speak better and eliminate distractions, and also on good content and and structure development. Those are all important. And I mean, I was just at this preaching event at Pepperdine with people who'd been preaching a lot longer, and a lot of it was nuts and bolts, like how to construct Mm -hmm. a sermon, how to do eye contact. And these people who've been preaching for 10, 15, 20 years were saying things like, I needed this. The mm-hmm. only time I got this was when I was in seminary. And that was 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And I haven't had any of this kind of basics since then. And it is so helpful. Mm, that's good. Okay. I interrupted you. So that was your first that was your first tip. What else would you say? I would say as far as the content of your sermons, aim for mostly encouragement. And mm-hmm. you know, that might feel a little saccharine to some but I think people will listen to you more if they know that you're for them, yeah. Uh, that you love them and that you're building them up. And so I, I wouldn't say 100% of my sermons have been that, but I've certainly leaned towards uh, sermons that have tr- been kind of encouraging and positive. And a- as we go through time, I'm sure there'll be different balances of that. But when in doubt, I always leaned toward uh, encouraging sermons. Yeah, that makes sense. The last thing is... Your first year, your elders are trying to figure out what you're going to be like to work with, and if you're going to burn them, if you're going to cause them heartburn, and so it's been really important to me to develop good, trusting relationship with uh, my elders, and they have done the same with me. I've, you know, I've realized in ministry that when when ministers uh, step out of line or do something difficult, even when we needed to do it, even when it was important to say, but whatever we do, if the elders usually have to answer for that. Mm. And they'll have your back more if they know ahead of time, you know, hey, and I've told them a few times, hey, in this sermon, I'm going to address this topic and I'm going to say these two or three sentences, just a heads up. Yep. Um, or this Sunday, things are going to look a little bit different. We're doing this instead. And, you know, sh- some people might say, well, I shouldn't have to do that. And that's a debate. we can We can have another time, but I'd rather build support and trust that way. If it takes an extra five minutes to send one email ahead of time, Um, I want my elders to know that I'm not on purpose going to cause trouble for them, um, that I'm going to give them a heads up. So it's been important for all of us to do that. And I'm grateful to my elders too, because they've done that with me. I feel like we have good, positive uh, communications. And that's, of course, true for any ministry. I just know that the preacher has a lot more upfront and like 20 to 30 minutes each week of monopolizing the stage time. So we have a lot more opportunity to do things that might surprise people. Right. And so I try not to do that.
0: Yeah. Y'all um, go going both directions. Y'all both have ample opportunity to make each other's lives more difficult. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, committing to finding ways to hopefully help that not happen. That's uh, right. Well, Josh, I just so appreciate you taking this time with me. I mean, I feel like we could, we could continue to talk about this for a long time, but this half hour is, I think, going to be a real blessing to a lot of people. Some of the things I hear you saying kind of from multiple directions are just the importance of uh, trust, credibility, uh, the importance of continuing to grow in your ministry um, and be equipped, and and working on that, uh, and just finding ways to build connection. Um, I think those are things that folks are going to need to hear. For the folks that are going into ministry, what are the ways that they can be intentional about doing those things? But also for the churches, for the elders, for the uh, congregants, what are ways that they can welcome in a new minister? Be intentional about that. Build connection because. It can't just be up to the new minister to have all of the responsibility for doing that. But if we can work together to build those connections, work toward greater unity, uh, that's just going to be such a blessing to the ministry, to the church, and then the community that, that it's a part of. Yep. So, well, I am really grateful for that. Um, so, if people are interested in maybe continuing the conversation, if they want to connect with you, uh, what's a good way for them to do that? I mean, I know uh, you know you're busy, but there may be social media, maybe email, uh, are there things are other things maybe from your prior ministry that you would want to make available to people?
1: Um, one of the things that people have told me is most helpful. I, I wrote adult curriculum for 14 years mm-hmm. and, um, we made that available to other churches. And I think a lot of uh, people have, have told me they use it. So I have a website, joshkinkade.com. It's K I N G C A D E, mm-hmm. um, which is an odd way to spell it, but, all that curricula is there for people just to download PDFs, different textual and topical studies. Uh, I'm on social media. You can just search for my name. I don't post a whole lot. Okay. Um, and of course, just if people want to drop me an email. Uh, the easy address to remember is just josh at
0: prestonroad.org. Okay. Well, very good. Well, I, I appreciate the way you spell your name because, I mean, as a Christian, you've got the king in your name. Um, And so as a a follower of Jesus, that seems very appropriate.
1: Well, as a person who's had to spell it out to numerous pharmacists and bankers, I don't appreciate it as much.
0: Well, you know my last name, Kanipe. I I am very sympathetic to that. Yeah, Uh, I I think if I'm not mistaken, you guys may have an adopted child. Both of our daughters are adopted. Yep. And we adopted them after foster care. We had the opportunity. Do you want to change their names in any way? And the one thing we talked about was they must absolutely have first names that are intuitive to spell because they will be spelling Kanipe for as long as they have that name. So, yep. Very sympathetic to you on that, brother. Thank you. (laughs) Well, to our audience, let me just say uh, thank you all for uh, being with us today. Um, And this is actually uh, our second episode in a row in which we've gotten to talk with a preacher. And so if you haven't listened to the interview between my colleague, Dr. Jennifer Schroeder and Sherelle Russell, also from the Metroplex, Uh, That's the immediately prior episode you'll want to download and listen to that one too. Uh, As always, feel free to listen, to share, pass this along to your elders, your ministers, uh, folks that you think would benefit. Uh, You could always access all of our podcast episodes at cyberinstitute.podbean.com. Josh, thanks again for being with us and to our audience. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening today to Live from the Cyber Institute. We would love to connect with you on our social media channels, and you can always find all of our various resources at our website, cyberinstitute.org. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your platform of choice, then share it with your friends. Until next time, may God bless you in all that you do.